You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic wherever you might be. Plenty to get to ahead on today's episode of Locked On Cougars. What are the chances that any of the former Cougars, 12 of them in all, who were taken or picked up in the recent NFL draft, what are the chances they make their active roster? Well, I had a chance to speak with the local experts from those teams, part of our Locked On Podcast Network. We'll begin a series today looking at the Las Vegas Raiders and the chances that Matt Bushman makes that roster. We'll continue to do these throughout the coming days and weeks, and we'll also continue our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, looking at 1950 for the Cougars. What did they do after an 0-11 season in 1949? Well, we'll talk about that ahead on today's show and, of course, talk about everything else going on in BYU sports, including women's softball, battling but coming up short in the NCAA regionals, BYU baseball finishing off their season with a flourish. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's podcast. It's brought to you today by our title sponsor, Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Check them out, and we'll talk more about them later on in the podcast. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a Monday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 24th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. A reminder for you guys on a Monday, if you haven't done so already, make sure to hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the Odyssey app, whatever it might be you're listening on. Make sure to follow us and join us every single day as we talk about the Cougars. Make sure you guys are the smartest BYU fans anywhere. Getting going here on a Monday and a new series we're going to debut over the next few weeks here is I had a chance to catch up with some of our local locked on NFL podcast hosts for the various teams that they cover and talk about the 12 former Cougars who were taken in this recent NFL draft. Some of them drafted, five of them in all, 12 in all getting opportunities, undrafted free agents and the like. Wanted to get their takes on the chances these guys get their opportunity to play in the NFL and make the roster this year for that franchise they got picked up from. Today, we'll start off in Las Vegas talking about the Raiders. What are the chances Matt Bushman, Honey Hands himself, gets a chance to make the Raiders roster? I had a chance to catch up with your boy Q, host of Locked On Raiders. Does a great job covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Q, thanks for taking the time. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing really well, man. I definitely appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on your show and join you for a few minutes. Absolutely. So the premise of having you on is a little bit of a series I'm doing here, talking about the recent draft for the BYU Cougars. Had 12 different players overall get po- uh, get opportunities in the NFL. One of them, Matt Bushman, going to the Las Vegas Raiders to play for John Gruden. Uh, can you give me kind of your initial impressions after hearing that Matt had signed there in Las Vegas? Well, the first thing, it's always kind of the running joke because John Gruden loves him some tight ends. You know, he's got mm-hmm. that old school feel to him. So anytime a tight end is signed or drafted or whatever the Raiders end up doing and getting another tight end on the roster, it's like, of course, John Gruden has another tight end on the <laughs> roster. But uh, I, I did know that Matt Bushman was a really good player when he was at BYU. And I know he tore his Achilles before the 2020 season, so he didn't get to play. 
So I thought, well, man, that's a heck of a player if he can get to 100% and be healthy. And, you know, coming off an a injury like an Achilles or something is, is a pretty major injury, and it's going to be tough to battle back and be who you were before the injury. But I thought, man, maybe this is the guy that you look at and say, yeah, right now the team doesn't need him, and right now the team really can't use him, and plus he's still kind of rehabbing. That might be a guy that the Raiders look at and decide that they like enough in camp and say, let's go ahead and stash him on the practice squad and give him a little bit extra time to get healthy. He is a guy, and I, of course, watched him his entire career at BYU. He's their leading receiver for the three seasons. He was on the field, obviously, as you mentioned, the Achilles tear before last season. He was projected to be the leading receiver once again last year. I do like the, the fact that there's a running joke with Gruden about his tight ends, but he has proven that he can find talent there. I think Darren Waller is yeah. one of the top five guys in this draft. Uh, Bushman uh, obviously has a connection with Gruden, based on what I understand from his time in Philadelphia, working with Andy Reid. Chad Lewis is his father-in-law, speaking of Matt Bushman. So he's got a pedigree right. here that's it's going to give him some uh, an opportunity. Do you think that a guy like Bushman, he's a little bit older, having served a mission and all that stuff. He's 25 now, I think, entering the league. What is it going to take for him, if he were to be fully healthy by the time training camp gets here, to make a stacked roster, especially the tight end position for Las Vegas? Well, yeah. That's the thing, man. The tight end room is so full right now. I mean, you're looking at Nick Bowers. You're looking at Derek Carrier. You're looking at Carson Williams. And, of course, Darren Waller and I saved him for last week. Well, one of the last ones because he's going to make the squad. Darren Waller's there. He's a stud. Boston Moreau was the guy they just drafted a couple seasons ago out of LSU. He didn't get a lot of burn last year because Jason Witten was there. But Boston Moreau, I expect to have a much bigger year this year. So, you know, I kind of look at those guys, like I said, Bowers, Carrier, Williams and realize that those guys aren't all going to be there. But, I mean, if Bushman goes into training camp and really shows that he could be a guy that could be a, a factor this year, even if it's just a small role, I mean, John Gruden loves his tight ends. Like I said, I mean, we, we call it a joke, but, I mean, it's, it's real. And you're right, he does find talent there. I mean, all those guys, Derek Carrier, he's had moments where he's been really good. I mean, there's, there's guys that can get it done that the Raiders have in the tight end position, and he loves that position. So if, if Bushman could go in there and show – I think the most important thing is he's got to show that he's 100% healthy. You know what I mean? And and then he understands what he's supposed to be doing. He's understanding the concept of what John Gruden wants offensively. And, again, I don't think it's a bad thing if they do just decide they want to, you know, stash him on the practice squad and then bring him back in 2022 and, and he'll have a whole other year to, to rehab, learn the system, and come back. And then he could be a big-time factor because the one thing, and you know from watching at BYU, the dude could play. I mean, he can absolutely play. He's got really great hands. He's not much of a blocker, but he's got some really great hands. And all these teams across the league now are looking for that one-two combo as far as tight ends go. They have it with Darren Waller and Foster Moreau, but you never know what can shake out in 2022. Yeah, so in terms of what they ask for their tight ends there in Las Vegas, I know that Gruden is a guy, and a lot of people like to call him old school. Does he like true tight ends, guys who are inline guys who can block, or does he have an opportunity? Because you mentioned, I'm with you. I watched Bushman try and try and try to improve as a blocker, but it was marginal at best in terms of his improvement during his time at BYU. But what is, uh, what is the responsibility of a tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders? Well, that's the thing. I mean, he is he's okay with with having guys that can do I mean, he wants a guy that can block and catch. He wants a guy who can do everything, but he realizes that that's hard to come by. So, you know, if, if he has a guy that's just an exceptional athlete, an exceptional uh, pass catcher, and can make some big plays uh, once he has the ball in his hands, 
that'll be okay too. You know, he'll have another guy that won't be very good with the ball in his hand or won't be a guy that he even looks to put the ball in his hand, and he'll be that guy along, along the line of scrimmage where he's able to be another blocker. And, he's a, you know, he's able to be that kind of guy. So um, there, there, he's very, let's put it like, he's kind of versatile. You know what I mean? It's like it's not stuck in the mud with one particular style of guy. Multiple different guys can, can succeed with uh, with John Gruden. And that's the, that's the thing about it. That's another reason why he goes after so many tight ends, because he knows there's multiple levels to their game. All right, Q, I know that you probably haven't been there either, but I know BYU opens up their upcoming season there at Allegiant Stadium this uh, September against the University of Arizona. What do BYU fans have in store for them as they go to see the new Death Star, as people are calling it? Well, I'll tell you, man, it's an awesome stadium. I mean, it really, really is. I was blessed to be able to go there last season when the Raiders played the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. They lost that game, but it was a, it was a heck of an experience, and that place, once it's packed with fans, it's going to be rocking. I mean, it's beautiful, state-of-the-art, one of the best-looking stadiums in the league right now, and that's not me being biased. That's me just knowing that this thing is next level, and I can't wait to see the Raiders host some Super Bowls there. Uh, there's obviously going to be events there. The draft is coming up. Next season's going to be in Las Vegas. I mean, there's so many things that are going to be featured with that stadium because it is so sick and nice. And the one thing I really like as a football fan in general is that the field that the Raiders will be playing on is actually grass mm-hmm. and it's outside and they, they roll it in on a tray before game day, you know, right before game day. So it's actually natural grass that they're playing on and not turf. Now UNLV shares that stadium and they play on turf, but I like it. I'd like that. It gives you that old, that old football stadium feel, even though it, you know, it has a, a roof on it, that it has natural grass inside. I, I love that element of Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself in person. I'm planning on being at a game in September. And obviously, I live in Utah, so I'm planning on making the drive down to Vegas every so often. I can tell you that much. <laughs> there you go. That a boy. Make it, make it happen, man. You'll have a good time. And, and I'll tell you, there's not a bad seat in the house. It's, it's really... It's, I mean, there's, they, you know, there's typical nosebleed seats, but sure. they're not nosebleeds because the way it's built, it goes up to the point where it's like really intimate and on top of it, each other. So you, you have a great seat no matter where you're sitting at. So no matter what seat you're at, you'll enjoy the view for sure. Awesome. Well, Q, where can everybody find your fine work? Well, everything I put out, I put out on Twitter, at your boy Q254. Uh, and then uh, it's on, you know, obviously the Locked On Podcast Network. Any of our podcasts are always, uh, on on anywhere where you get podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey. I mean, all, all that good stuff. Everywhere you can find a podcast, that's where we're located at. And then, of course, I tweet out a link every single day at your boy Q254. All right, Q, thanks for taking the time. appreciate you doing it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I look forward to uh, hopping on again. There you go. Your boy Q from Locked On Raiders. And some very good points there on Matt Bushman's chances. But I think that the Raiders are high on Bushman's potential. And they're looking at this as like a redshirt year for him this coming year. And I think that's actually a very smart play on their part. They're well-stocked at tight end, as you heard Q talk about. But Bushman, if he continues to develop could find himself making a roster in the relatively near future, it looks like, and we'll have to kind of wait and see how things play out. All right, coming up here in a minute, we'll talk about 1950 for the BYU football program. Look back at how the Cougars responded after their only winless season in program history in 1949. We'll get to all of that here in a few moments. All right, folks, we got a new sponsor here on the podcast, Lucy Nicotine. It's a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers who were looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. 
alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. It's been made for people, not patients. They have a nicotine gum with 4 milligrams of nicotine that comes in 3 different flavors. They also have a lozenge with 4 milligrams of nicotine that comes in 3 flavors as well, guys. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's also convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on a flight, at work, on the go, even in the gym, guys. It's a great way if something you are interested in. So check it out. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. They, like we mentioned, are FSA and HSA available. Go to Lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get 20% off all products on your first order, including both gum or lozenges. That's Lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. And now for the fun part, folks. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's Lucy.co and use that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Folks, now let's talk about BYU football from the past. We've been doing this for the better part of almost two months now, looking back at the 100 seasons of BYU football who have been played to this point. This is a countdown towards the 2021 football season for the Cougars. We'll be taking you all the way through September 4th when BYU takes on Arizona down there in Las Vegas. And today, we break into the back half of the 20th century with 1950. The Cougars opened a new decade with a new coach Coach coming off the worst year in program history, 0 and 11 in 1949. We talked about it on Friday's edition of the show. If you wanted to go back and listen to that, if you didn't already, you could talk about it or listen to it and really just kind of reminisce and how awful it was for BYU. But Chick Atkinson, in his second year as BYU's head coach, really had his work cut out for him. We talked about how in 1949 there was a lot of roster turnover, a very very young team for BYU, and in 1950 the vast majority of those guys were a year older, and in theory, a year better than they were in 1949, and it reflected in a marginal record for BYU. The Cougars in 1940, excuse me, 1950, not 1949, in 1950 went 4-5-1 overall. So, obviously, you make a five, a four-game improvement, four-and-a-half game if you really want to count the tie, over an 0-11 team. Obviously, any improvement is some improvement. And Coach Atkinson, in just the second year at the helm, and let's put a reminder on this, that Chick Atkinson, he was 31 years old when he took over at BYU. Very, very young coach. And not unlike other coaches at BYU in the early part of the program's history. A lot of these coaches were younger guys, didn't necessarily have proven track records, but guys who had experience nonetheless, whether it's at the high school or college level, and just a lot going on with this program. And Chick Atkinson goes out and puts up an 0-11 season to start his tenure. Like I said, any improvement showed some improvement. The Cougars go 4-5-1 in 1950. Let's break down how things went. They opened the year at Idaho State. I don't know how many uh, of you would really believe that BYU went to Pocatello, but they did in this era. Won that game by one point, 14-3. Then took on Wizard White and Arizona State in Provo at Cougar Stadium and got absolutely trounced, 41-13. They followed that up with a game against Pepperdine. Yes, Pepperdine, the Waves, played football in this era. Won that game by one point, 28-27. So BYU, after three games, is 2-1. and one. Both of their wins coming by a combined two points. And then the big one showed up. BYU, for a third straight home game, played U. 
Utah on October 7th, 1950. Utah heavily favored in this game and obviously looking to get another win after having just one so far in series history, according to the official record. They had three in the 1890s The BYU refuses to acknowledge, which I don't get, but we'll leave that there. We've discussed this multiple times. Now, October 7th, 1950, Utah heavily favored, obviously, one of the better teams in the conference, but BYU goes out and actually ties this game, 28-28. They actually trailed at 28-21 late in the game and then rallied to win the contest, not win, but tie the contest. Might feel like a win in all honesty, but BYU ties that game 28 to 28, and it apparently took a lot out of them because they went on a, ba- a road trip with back-to-back games in Colorado at Colorado A&M, aka Colorado State. Lost that game 27 to 14, and then nearly got shut out by Denver, a late field goal avoiding the shutout, losing 42 to three. Then they went to Utah State on November 4th, took on the Aggies in Logan, and bounced back with a 34 to 13 win. So at this juncture, the out set of November. BYU has a grand total of three wins, three losses, and one tie. And in the final three games of the year, they go, uh, excuse me, they hosted Wyoming on homecoming and were blown out 48-0. That's not what you want on homecoming. Then made a long trip on just six days rest to Hawaii, played the Rainbow Warriors out there. Were they the Rainbow Warriors back then? I don't know what their nickname was. Got beat 39-7 and then finally came home and took on Fort Hood. Fort Hood was a program based in Utah of former athletes from all the different universities, including some from BYU. BYU finished up their year on November 25th, beating Fort Hood 28-4, bringing them to a grand total of a 4-5-1 record. BYU finished in fifth place in the Skyline 6 Conference. Uh, Utah actually finished just ahead of them with a 1-2-2 record. BYU 1-3-1. Utah State bringing up the rear in the conference this year, 0-5-0, so 0-5 in conference play. Wyoming, who did shut out BYU 4 48 to nothing had one of their best teams to date. 5 and 0 in conference, ranked number 12 in the final rankings. Pretty impressive from the Cowboys. This is kind of their heyday, one of their uh, the 1950s, 1960s. Wyoming actually became an absolute powerhouse. Really, really good program. And nonetheless, BYU was on the wrong end of that run. So there you go. 1950 for BYU. Not a great year, but also not an 0-11 year. So obviously some improvement from the Cougars in 1950. Chick Atkinson getting his program to grow up a little bit right in front of his eyes. And obviously, BYU you trying to build a program has been something that we have been watching throughout this countdown. At times, it seemed like they were on the verge of having something very nice. They finished uh, second in their conference a couple of different times. You felt like, okay, they can just get a just get a win over Utah in some cases, or if they could just have some continuity, well, they might have had an opportunity. And 1950, I think, set the framework for what they hoped, I guess, would be something that would improve. They did have an all-conference player for BYU known as the Carbon Comet. Rex Berry, who was a native of Moab, Utah, started in football, baseball, basketball, and track at Carbon High School before going to BYU. Uh, following his graduation at BYU, he played professional football with the San Francisco 49ers for six years. He was the captain of the San Francisco 49ers and named an all-pro defensive back before his retirement in 1956. He's also an 
inductee to the Utah Sports Hall of Fame, also was inducted to the BYU Hall of Fame in 1976, and Rex Berry was a senior on this 1950 team, really was the heart and soul of this program in 1949 as well. An all-conference performer, a guy who just really was a standout player despite a relatively lackluster, what would you say, a, a, a campaign, a season, a career in terms of the record from his teams, but a standout player. And when your nickname is the the Carbon Comet, it's a pretty cool nickname. Despite being from Moab, you know, you move up the price, but it is what it is. So Rex Berry, a guy I wanted to highlight on today's show as part of this 1950 team. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk a little bit more about what happened in BYU sports over the weekend. BYU softball showing their medal, but coming up short down there in Arizona. Also, BYU baseball using the long ball to finish off the season with a flourish. We'll talk about all of that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, guys. Absolutely love Built Bars. What I love about them is they taste 100% delicious because they have 100% chocolate on the outside of them, but they have just delicious flavors overall. There are nine unique flavors. There are nine base flavors, I guess is what I should say, that are available at any time. They also have occasional limited time flavors, and if you don't take advantage of ordering those limited time flavors when they come out, they sell out very, very quickly. These protein bars, folks, they are extremely popular. High protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar. They're the perfect complement for anybody wherever they're at in their health journey, trying to lose weight like myself, or if you're trying to gain or maintain weight, you can indulge in a delicious treat while also just having something that's healthy for you guys. Give them a shot. You can go to BuiltBar.com to learn more about them, see the nine base flavors, place your order now, and save 15% on your order by using the promo code LOCKED15. You heard that right. 15% off your order by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKED15. Take advantage of it now. Enjoy the best tasting protein bars anywhere and do it with Built Bar. All right, folks, since you caught up on everything else going on from BYU Sports over the weekend, really two sports we need to talk about on today's show. Let's start off with BYU Baseball. The good news the not-so-good news. How about that? BYU Baseball had a great final weekend. They played Pepperdine in a three-game series. They lost the opener on Thursday night, 6-3, to but then bounced back with an offensive explosion. Friday night, 14-5 to victory, and then on senior day on Saturday afternoon, BYU goes out and absolutely dominates the Waves 14-7. to That's a way to cap your season. BYU will finish no worse than fourth place in the West Coast Conference, so a Solid finish, all things considered. That actually probably would have gotten them into the West Coast Conference Tournament had it been held this year, but the postseason is not going to happen for the Cougars in 2021. Overall, Mike Littlewood's team goes 23-27, and a 46% win percentage, 15-12 and in the West Coast Conference. That's the more important number, but a decent season all the way around. It's always nice to see the Cougars finish up well in the West Coast Conference. Above 500, you take it. A 5.56 winning percentage, 55.6 winning percentage for BYU in conference play. You'll take that every time. So congrats to Mike Littlewood and his team on a solid season. Hopefully they can regroup and have a better season next year. Had they won a few more of their non-conference series early on in the season, postseason discussion might have been a little bit different. But obviously, bygones are bygones. Hindsight is 20-20. And now you look forward if you're the BYU baseball program. BYU softball acquitted themselves well at the Tempe Regional in the NCAA tournament. It was their 16th straight trip to the postseason, but only one trip to the Super Regionals, which is the second round. 
of the NCAA tournament. BYU got a huge win beating host Arizona State, number 15 in the country on Friday. That got them into the region championship against Virginia Tech, the number 21 team in the country. They had lost to the Hokies, obviously, on Thursday. Needed to beat Virginia Tech twice to make it to the Super Regional, but nothing doing. In the bottom of the first inning, Gordon Eakin on an obstruction call gets run by the umpires. I don't think I've ever seen a softball coach get run in the first inning of a game if I've ever seen a softball coach get run in a softball game. But maybe I don't watch enough softball that I don't notice it. But he did get run, and BYU got dominated 11-3. to Hunter Ava had a three-run home run in the fifth inning to avoid the shutout for BYU. But Virginia Tech makes it to the Super Regional, and BYU season comes to an end. The Cougars finish the year 38-17. and Like I mentioned, seven, excuse me, 16 straight trips to the postseason. They'll be looking to keep that streak alive next year, make it 17 straight. I'm not betting on them not making it, but the hope is at some point they're going to break through and make it to another Super Regional. The last time they did that, the only time they've done it in 2010. So we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens, but a solid season all the way around for BYU softball. Good to see them flexing some muscle in the NCAA Regional. That had been something that had been a bother, I think, to some alumni, some fans in recent years that they would go to the regional but then would just bow out with a whimper it felt like. They really flexed some muscle. Just credit to Virginia Tech. They were absolutely stellar in this regional and good to see BYU eliminating a program like Arizona State. We mentioned on Friday's podcast, I believe it might have been Thursdays, how BYU, they had beaten, uh, played Arizona State twice to begin the season, lost both of those games but played the Sun Devils pretty close. They finally broke through with that huge Huge win on Friday night. Nothing doing as they lose to Virginia Tech and avoid, or not avoid, but miss out on making the Super Regional for another year. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday edition of the show. Hope you guys are all doing great out there wherever you might be. If you're a Utah Jazz fan like myself, you're feeling a little bit salty about last night's contest, but you know what? We wait until Wednesday and hopefully the Jazz bounce back. If you're an NBA fan of another team, well, best of luck to them in the playoffs if they are in the playoffs, whether it be the Suns, etc. Good luck to your teams. All right, that is going to do it. Have a great day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 24th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.